0: The following audio is from Morningstar Baptist Church in Dayton, Ohio. For more information about Morningstar, visit morningstardayton.org. Hey, everybody, man. I hope everybody is staying warm. And uh, we, we, listen, we hate to have to cancel service, but we still wanted to provide this opportunity uh, for you and your family to still connect around God's word. And so I just wanted to kind of share with you guys a little bit this morning and give that opportunity for us all to still come together. And uh, man, maybe God has something for us today. And so we're gonna look in John chapter seven and wanna talk about being moved. You know, things happen all the time around us and we're always impacted by something. Everything has a reaction to it. Yesterday we were playing out in the snow in the backyard and uh, Jonathan and Daniel, they were chasing each other in the snow and Mason and I were up in the woods a little bit. We were building a snow fort, you know, because that's really important to have one of those in the woods. And uh, Jonathan, they were chasing in the next lot next to us and there was this area that was You could tell there was water, but we were only thinking maybe it was only like that deep. And uh, it had kind of had a glaze of ice on top of it. And they really weren't paying much attention to it. Well, they were, as they were running, they both went out on this area and they both crashed through the ice. And apparently the ice was deeper than that. It was deep enough. Like it covered Jonathan up to his chest. And of course, like it scared them to death. And Mandy was outside and Daniel starts screaming and Jonathan, cause the water's cold and a natural reaction, they were they reacted to that um, and not really knowing that it was that deep. And so they're trying to get out of the water and Mandy was trying to get them out. And I start running through the woods to try to get to them as well and uh, got to luckily they, I mean, they both got out okay. They were fine, but we were all moved by that. There was a reaction to that. You couldn't just stay neutral in that moment. It's a, a dangerous situation. And so people react to that. And I want to kind of take that and and look at how do we react to Jesus? How Are we still moved by him? Because there is no Christ neutral. There there really is no such thing as being Jesus neutral. And there's an amazing passage in John chapter 7. This, the background of this is this is what's called the Feast of Tabernacles and, or the Feast of Tents. And what they would do, the whole nation of Israel for a whole week would camp out, basically. They would build these, they called them booths, uh, but basically they were like these little shacks or tents that they would set up and their whole family would sleep in there all week long. And it was this party like atmosphere in Jerusalem that whoever could make it, um, it was this fun camp, national camp out week, right? Um, and so kids loved it. Uh, families would get to hang out. And, uh, and it was just this really um, celebration. And what they were doing was they were celebrating what what God had done for them when he brought them out of Egypt and how they camped out in the wilderness uh, until they made it to the promised land. So they would do this to kind of remember what God had done. And so this is the background uh, to this time. And so Jesus is getting ready to go and celebrate this this feast of tabernacles or this feast of tents throughout the week. And the, um, the, the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, they wanted to kill him. They they wanted to capture him, they wanted to arrest him and they knew that he was gonna be here so they set a trap for him. And in John chapter seven, in verse 10, it says, after his brothers had gone up to the festival, he also went up, not openly, but he went secretly. So Jesus shows up, but he doesn't really announce that he's going to this festival. In verse 11 says, the Jews were looking for him at the festival saying, where is he? So they knew he was gonna show up. They knew that he was gonna be there. They were anticipating him showing up. And so they had laid this trap for him. They actually had soldiers and guards and, and police ready to arrest him whenever he would show up. They just didn't know where he was gonna be. And he kind of showed up a little secretly. But what we find is that the crowd was kind of divided on who Christ was. In this bigger area of Jerusalem, um, we, we understand that if you read the passage, some of them believed in Jesus, Some of them were kind of skeptical. Some thought he was a really good guy and some people really didn't care. And in verse 14, uh, the festival, the week is almost half over. And it says in verse 14, when the festival was already half over, Jesus went up into the temple complex and he began to teach. So he's kind of been hanging out for the first few days, kind of under the radar. And then all of a sudden, halfway through the festival, he shows up to the temple and he starts preaching. And he starts talking and starts telling them about how he's the Messiah and how the person they're looking for, it's him. And he's going to bring life and he's going to bring new life to all these people. And in verse 30, we get the reaction to everybody. It says in verse 30, then they tried to seize him. So now that he's made himself public, he showed up and he's like, okay, here's who I am. I'm preaching. The guards tried to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him. Because it wasn't yet his hour. In verse 31 it says, however many from the crowd believed in him. And here's what they said. Get this. It says, when the Messiah comes, he won't perform more more miracles and signs than this man has done. So they kind of pose this question. And it's a question we've even talked about before. Like, what else are you looking for? What kind of Messiah are you looking for? This guy has raised people from the dead. This guy has healed the the sick. He's he's healed people who nobody else could heal. He's cast out demons. And what their question is, the believers ask all these other people, what else are you looking for the Messiah to do? Like, what else do you think he needs to do? And what that does is when that happens, um, the Pharisees get even angrier. It says in verse 32, the Pharisees heard the crowd, muttering these things about him. So the chief priests and the Pharisees, they sent the temple police to arrest him. They said, okay, we've had enough. Like this has got to stop. And so they send, it's time to go get him. They got so mad that Jesus says, I'm the savior. I'm the Messiah. Who you're looking for, it's me. So they send the people to go on and arrest him. And so what you see, if you finish out the rest of those verses, this is drama that plays out for the next several days of the feast. Like Jesus shows up, they try to arrest him, but they can't. Jesus shows up, they, they, they wanna go arrest him. But what we see later on, the guards just don't take action or the crowd is so big, they don't wanna cause a riot. So they, they don't arrest him. And this goes back and forth, like for the next several days. It goes on for the whole week until the last day of the ceremony. What's really cool is this last day of the ceremony, the priests would go and take pitchers of water, and they would go to the Pool of Siloam. And they would fill the, the, the pots of water from the Pool of Siloam, and there would be this huge parade, and they would follow the priest back up to the temple. And the priest would walk all the way up the temple steps, and they would, they would construct this altar outside the temple steps. And the priest in this huge ceremony would take the water pots and they would dump all this water on top of this altar and it would cascade off the altar and it would flow all the way down every step to the bottom. And all the people of Jerusalem would be gathered around watching this water be poured out. And this was, you got to think, this is the culmination of the whole week. This is the biggest part of the week. It's a very solemn event. It was this very big procession as they would walk from the pool up to the temple, carrying all the water and the people would follow all and they would gather around and they would watch as the priest dumped all this water out and watch it cascade down the steps. What it was, was it was a picture of when Moses struck the rock in the wilderness And water flowed from the rock. And and it was this idea of the water of life that one day the Messiah would bring, that he would bring true healing to the nation of Israel. So it was this looking forward to what the Messiah was going to do. And so in the moment of this, it was very symbolic time. And in verse 37, we see that what happens, this is pretty cool. It says, on the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and he cries out. So you gotta get this. The priests have got the water. They're dumping the water out on the altar and all this is happening. In the middle of this, everybody's silent as they're watching this take place. They're thinking about what that's gonna mean one day. And in the middle of this crowd, Jesus screams out and here's what he says while this is happening. He cries out, if anyone is thirsty, he should come to me and drink. And the one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flowing deep from within him. How cool is this? You got to get this picture. They're dumping water out, symbolizing what God has done and what God is going to do. And in the middle of all that, Jesus screams at the top of his lungs, I'm this water. Like this is me. What you're seeing right now, I'm the living water. And if you just come to me, you'll drink and you'll never be thirsty again because you'll have springs of living water flowing out of you. And we see in the next few verses, the reaction of the people. In verse 45 of, of John chapter seven, it says, excuse me, in verse 40, it says, when some from the crowd heard these words, they said, this really is the prophet, not the Messiah. Some are like, hey, he's just a good guy. Others said, verse 41, this is the Messiah. But some said, surely the Messiah doesn't come from Galilee. So you see a reaction. There was a reaction to Jesus. There was a movement that happened. Some were like, hey, he's a really good guy. Some were like, no, he's definitely the Messiah. Then there were some that were still on the fence. They're like, well, would the Messiah really come from Galilee? The point of this is that there was a reaction. That even in the crowd that day, there was nobody that was Christ-neutral. Everybody formed an opinion. Everybody came away making a decision. Either they made a decision, he's a good guy, but nothing more. Or they made a decision, well, no, I don't think he's him because he's not really going to come from Galilee. Or they made a decision of, yes, this is the Messiah. Everybody was moved. And what I love about this passage is it doesn't end there. Because remember, all throughout the week, there were guards and policemen that were sent out by the the religious leaders to arrest him. And it was no different on this day. And so when Jesus hollers out, I'm the living water you're looking for. All of a sudden, all these guards and police, their their attention was focused. They knew this. Here's where he's at. This is this Jesus guy. But look in verse 45. Here's what happens. It says, then the temple police came to the chief priests and the Pharisees. So they go back to the temple and the Pharisees asked the guards, why haven't you arrested him? Why haven't you brought him? And check this out. The police answered, no man has ever spoken like this man. What I love about this passage is that even those who were sent to arrest him were moved. They came away making a decision. They were sent with one mission and one goal to arrest this Jesus guy. And yet they had to go back to those that sent them and tell them we didn't arrest him. The reason we didn't arrest him is because he's the Messiah. This, there's nobody that's ever spoken like this guy before and they were moved so much, they came away making a decision too. So the point is this, is that everybody was moved that day. Something happened and everyone formed an opinion. Everybody came away making a decision. And we live in a culture today that really where people think that they can be Christ neutral. That they can walk away thinking, yeah, Jesus, he was a good guy, said some really good things. And they think that by coming away with that, that, that's okay. Or they think, you know what, I'm just, you know, I'm not really gonna make an opinion one way or the other. I'm just gonna live my life and try to be as good as I can. But, There's no such thing as Christ neutral. We all walk away from an encounter with God, an encounter with Jesus, from hearing the word of God, from hearing the gospel, and we all come away moved in one way or another. We all come away moved, either believing that he is the Messiah or come away moved going, no, he's not. There's no middle ground. And so, look, as believers and as a church, what I want to challenge us with on this cold January day is that have we really been moved by Christ? Can we really walk away saying that there's been a movement in my life, there's been a change in my life where he's not just a good guy, he's not just a prophet, that I I firmly believe that he's Messiah, the Son of God, and there's only one way to heaven, and that's through him. Because if we've come away being moved in that way, church, listen, every aspect of our life is changed. There's no area of our life that is left untouched. We can't walk away saying he is the Messiah, but live our life in such a way where we want to be Christ neutral. We all have to be moved. We've all have to make these, take these steps. You know, we can't be neutral. It just doesn't work that way. There is no neutral. A decision is made. Even if, even if we leave, walk away from this passage not making a decision, we've made a decision. And so, church, here's what I want us to get. Here's what I want us to understand is that when we encounter Christ, the Messiah, he changes us. So let's live that way. We're in the middle of our series, Are You In?, and really the whole crux of that boils down to this idea of, have we really been moved by the Savior? Because if we have, we're going to be in. He's going to have our talents and he's going to have our treasure and he's going to have our time. It's not even a debate. There's not even a question. It's just, yeah, this, it's absolutely. Because when we're really moved by the Messiah, he changes everything about us. So here's what I want to, listen, this is a great opportunity for us right now at home, you're in our houses, we have our family around us. As we watch this video, and I hope that we've, you guys have been able to have a chance to watch it, to maybe have a conversation with our family. Hey, look, in what ways has Christ moved in our life? In what ways can we really live in a way that shows better that he's moved in our life? Maybe there's some good conversation we can have, about, hey, what areas of our life have we kind of held back and not allow Christ to consume that part of our life? So, man, this is a great conversation, Kickstarter. And maybe there's some in our family, maybe you've never really made that decision for Christ. This is a great opportunity to say, hey, look, a decision has to be made. You can't stay Christ neutral. And if we've made that decision, man, let's live like it. Let's step out in faith. And like, just like even these guards, like, hey, look, there's nobody to even talk like this guy before. He's got to be the Messiah. So church, listen, I I again, I mean, we we hate that we're not able to meet together today, but man, what a great opportunity for us still to open God's word and as a family sit down and still kind of consume and digest a little bit what God has for us. And so I want to encourage all of you, man, maybe, maybe have these conversations, but also don't forget, man, hopefully we'll be able to meet again this coming Sunday. And also don't forget there's a way still, look, we still want to be faithful. In our giving, we wanna be faithful in our service to God. And we can still, even though we're not able to be here today in worship and song and worship in our fellowship, we can still take part in the worship of our giving even now. You can go to our website, there's a link on there that says Give Now. You can go and click on that link and it's free, it doesn't cost you anything and you can still give. Um, or maybe you're like, I still write out my Tide checks and I, hey, that's okay, hold on until next week. Uh, we'll, we'll meet next week and you can still turn them in then. But let's still be faithful um, even though we weren't able to come out today in this cold weather and still be faithful in our worship uh, of Him. So look, let's be praying also. Don't forget, we're talking about our UN and there's going to be commitment cards. We're going to pass out in a couple weeks. So I want you to be praying right now what God wants you to do. What does he want you to do moving forward in your giving? What does he want you to do moving forward in your service? Because there's a place for everyone and everybody is super important with what we're trying to do here at Morningstar. So look, church, we love you. um, And we hope to see you guys again soon. We'll be praying for you. Um, And until then, we'll see you again next week, all right? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you have any questions about Morningstar Baptist Church, or today's message, visit MorningStarDayton.org and choose Contact Us.